everyone. It's Tuesday, February 21st. The Mary Griffith Show is underway. Brought to you by Refreshment Services Pepsi. Steve and I have decided we are not giving up Harvest Ridge Coffee for Lent. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to find something else to give up, but we're not giving up Harvest Ridge Coffee for Lent. So that's just the way it's going to be. But we'll think of something. I'm going to try to be nice to Steve for 40 days. Wow. Dr. Brandon Breening, do you think it's possible? Uh, miracles happen every day. <laughs> so. There's a man of faith. Okay. Hey, we had you on our radio show all this morning on the news talking about, you uh, can't say her name, but one of your great patients who ate so many carrots, she turned orange. That was a great story in your practice. I love that. And uh, we also talked about how you can get an overdose of vitamin D. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you talked about the Sam's Club. Well, gee, if a vitamin D 2000 supplement is good, why not just take 20,000? You know, that's not Forever. the way. That's right. not the way it works. But Dr. Brandon Breening is here. As he is every month making his house call here at the Radio Ranch. How have things been going? Uh pretty pretty good, you know. I'm going to see the work of one of your talented children today. She is behind the scenes at the Quincy Community Theater, not the star that she should be. But pulling props together, Cecilia Breening. Yes. So thousands and thousands of people will see her work in Moana Jr., and not a single person will ever know she was there because those people in the black yeah. in the back, yes. they're very secret. And yes, stealthy. Sam Breening is in the black this today, the too. too? So. Uh-oh. Um, I only brought a present for her. Well, I guess I'll have to share what I got. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. That's Sorry, the, Cecilia. You well, only get half of what well, I brought you. Well, this is, this is Cecilia's first time doing props, so okay. we can just go with that. Give her right? her props. Yeah. <laughs> Sam okay. has been back in black before. Really? So. Okay. Well, I brought a gift for them. I'm going to see it this afternoon, a special performance. So I brought a gift, but I guess I'll have to both have to share unless I can find something quickly. <laughs> They'll okay. be okay. They'll be okay. Have you spoiled your children rotten yet? Uh, um, not me. <laughs> your wife is doing her best. You just got back, but you didn't take your kids. You and your wife went to Disneyland. It wasn't as much fun without the kids, was it? Um, well, yes, but the purpose of the trip was a seminar. Yes. So I went to a seminar, and I learned a lot of things. Well, good. Weekend. We're going to, I'm so, sure, learn about that. But yeah. I, I've never been to Disneyland. But you want to World. talk about Disneyland. Okay. But Disneyland, I went with my mom and dad, but I was a grown-up. I paid for everything. Yes. Yeah, Chief yeah. Charlie never took me to Disneyland, no. but I took him to Disneyland. That was fun. That was the Rose Bowl trip back yes. in, what, 83 or 82? 82? Yeah. Well, it was 82, 83 because the Rose Bowl's on January 1st. But, yeah, that yeah. was my only time ever in Disneyland. So what yeah. did you ride but, on? Tell, tell us just real quick before we get into your brain. We rode on just about everything. Um, the, uh, all, I don't know, all the rides. Uh, the, there are very few that we didn't go on. But it's um, not as big as Disney World. Disneyland's manageable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's bigger than than you think it is, but it's not. No, it's it's easier to get from one place to another. Something that would have taken us forty thousand steps took us twenty thousand steps. Okay. So. And was it weird going there without your children? Um. Did you miss them? Yes. Oh. I I, I feel like. Uh, <clears throat> A place like that is definitely better with children. Um, 
So I could have come you, and cause, been childish. Let's be honest. Dumbo might be a fun ride, but I'm not going to go get on Dumbo by myself, right? Um, so. Okay. So uh, the next time, I can be very childish. Take me with you to the seminar. But okay. I don't think you and I will fit on Dumbo you know, together. Doctors, this is what makes me mad about seminars and educational, continuing educational units. They're never someplace like Fargo, North Dakota, or, uh, you know, Walrus Tusk, Alaska in the winter. It's always someplace like Anaheim, California, where they have these big educational conferences. But since you went and got your brain filled with all kinds of good stuff, what did you learn that the average person can take away? Dr. Brandon Breening. Oh, so many things. Um... I don't even, where should I start? You know, it's a lot of things that I, that we've pushed on before, right? Um, an interesting thing, uh, 40 to 60% of the United States population is thought to have an autoimmune disease. Uh, and they don't even know it. What? Yes, I know. 40 to 60% have an autoimmune disease. We're allergic to our own selves, basically. Yes. Give us an idea, like lupus is one. Yeah, lupus, uh, type 1 diabetes, uh, is, is an autoimmune condition. Uh, I personally have autoimmune hemolytic anemia, which is a pretty rare one. Uh, let's see, you know, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, Crohn's disease, uh, these kind of things, uh, where your body just keeps attacking itself. Um, the, uh, person that gave the seminar does a lot of testing, um, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people will be glad that they, they would see me versus him because his average uh, cost for uh, blood tests when you go to his clinic as a new patient is about $4,000. Uh, so uh, I, don't, I don't run that many tests to begin with, but uh, he's getting these chronically ill patients that uh, they've been everywhere and they haven't been able to find any any change so uh yeah let's run everything let's see what we can get let's let's throw stuff up against the wall and see what sticks so to say but the number one autoimmune disease he finds in his clinic is actually uh autoimmunity to the parietal cells in uh, a person's stomach and the parietal cells are the cells in your stomach that produce hydrochloric acid so uh what happens when we don't have too much acid do you remember well, if we don't have enough acid in our stomach, we won't be able to digest our food properly. Absolutely, that that happens. Yeah, uh, symptomatically, what what kind of things? This is where's Gabe when I need him. I was going right? to say, why why am I suddenly being <laughs> tested? Where's your where's your handy intern Gabe? Yeah, now full fledged. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Strauss. Has, now he he's not Gabe anymore. No. Of, he won't yeah. submit to this level of questioning now. No, no. you passed him. No. He's a full fledged doctor. So if you, okay, your parietal, well, does it cause ulcers? Um, no, because that's no. too much acid. Um, yes, no. Well, number one cause of ulcers in people is H. pylori. Yes. Uh, which you can get from kissing your dogs. So don't kiss your dogs uh, unless you're taking care to make sure you don't get H. pylori. Really? Yes. Because once you get that, it's hard to get rid of. Um, right? Once, once it's really established a foothold, and part of what happens is, once H. pylori establishes itself in your stomach, it shuts down the parietal cells, and you stop producing as much acid, so your body can't kill it as easily. So, okay. um, 
when and the other thing that happens when you don't have enough acid is the uh sphincter the the uh door basically at the top of your stomach uh that is supposed to keep the acid in your stomach where there's nice mucus lining uh to which doesn't sound great now that I mention it but uh, it is nice because it keeps the acid from burning a hole in us uh the the that is not in our esophagus, those nice mucus linings. So when that acid gets up into our esophagus, we end up with things like Barrett's esophagus, where uh, the esophagus actually starts to turn into stomach. Um, but uh, the reason... heartburn. And heartburn, exactly. And I have to sleep with my head elevated, because if I get in a certain position at night, I will get heartburn. I've never had that until my later years. Yeah. So I probably have this. Pretty much everybody, well, pretty much everybody over 40, 50, uh, we just decrease our hydrochloric acid production. Uh, so it becomes important to increase your hydrochloric acid uh, by taking something. But what so many of us Who do wants instead. to be more acidic? Uh, I would think that would be counterintuitive. Oh, no, absolutely. You want to be more acidic. That valve, that door at the top of your stomach does not shut unless there's a certain amount of acidity in there. So what we do when we take all these acid blockers, uh, Tums, is we uh, we prevent that door from shutting. That was what your grandmother, Dr. Sheila Laws, made so abundantly clear to me. She used to get so mad. People would just chew on Tums and chew on Tums and chew on Tums. Yeah. And the way what Tums are made out of is it's, it's doing the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Yes. Yes. And yet we still keep doing it. So yeah. if you are experiencing heartburn or acid reflux, let's call it the correct name, it's probably not because you have too much acid. It's because you don't have enough. Exactly. Wow, you're blowing my mind. Uh, tell me about it. I mean, so, I've, I've, we've talked about I've talked about this before, but I know you have, you know, but I it's... don't pay attention to what you say. <laughs> You're patient. You already know that. So, this is my doctor, so, folks. I'm a mess, so don't blame him. You know, it's hard to get your doctor to come and be on the Mary Griffith show because he says you're ruining my practice because everybody knows I'm in charge of taking care of you and look what a mess you are. But it's not his fault. I won't do anything he says. So, so counterintuitively, if I have acid reflux, heartburn, whatever you want to call it, it's not because I have too much stomach acid. It's probably because... I don't have enough and the right kind. Exactly. Okay. So at that point, the the easiest thing to do is to supplement it. Uh, So So instead of drinking milk to quell that, I should drink a bottle of lemon juice? I mean, what should I do to make it more acidic? Usually the best thing to do is to actually get some acid to put in there. Not like battery acid, but a, a, a supplemental acid. Um, so, uh, my mind. we, we have a bunch of different acids at, at the office, a bunch of different digestive enzymes and such. One of the things we have is a hydrochloric acid. So, which uh, you wouldn't want to drink. I mean, hydrochloric acid will, yeah, you burn. don't want to drink that. No, right. no, it's it, only, it's, it can only live in your stomach. I mean, if it's anywhere else, but your stomach, it's going to burn a hole through you. Yes. That's why our stomach has all the mucus. So don't don't just drink hydrochloric acid. Don't put hydrochloric acid in your eye like I did in high school chemistry class. Um, 
I was the only kid in 20 plus years to use Sister Celine's eye wash station. So, uh, I don't, don't ask me where my goggles were. I forgot them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, the, the, the hydrochloric acid is not straight hydrochloric acid. It's something that, uh, it's, I believe it's betaine hydrochloric acid is usually what it is. So it's in, in a pill form, uh, so that it doesn't burn you going down. Right. And then when it gets to your stomach, it opens up and it provides extra acid so that you can break down your food. Right. Think of how many people are sick because their body gets a, a pathogen, a virus, a bacteria in it, and it goes down into the stomach, and then it's just like, well, it's nice down here, right? Uh, and and then it just spreads out from there because it's not acidic enough. We want our stomach to be a vat of acid so that whenever anything hits it, it just completely gets obliterated and turned into the building blocks, which is what we need then to use to turn it into stuff that's useful for us. You know, you're you're so learned about this, and, and you're a different younger generation, although there's one even younger than you coming on board. But we old folks, we really were told all the time, you know, you've got too much stomach acid. You've got an ulcer because of stomach acid. You've yeah. got all this stuff because of your stomach acid. Yeah. Well, the truth of the matter is, no, that's not why we have these things. It's because we don't have enough and the right kind right. of acid in our stomach to take care of this. So, okay. So... If you're experiencing 40 to 60% of people have some kind of autoimmune disease, which yep. your body kind of attacks itself. What was this thing you said? You, you gave a name for it, and I can't remember it. The parietal cell? The parietal. <laughs> yeah. So why does our body do that? Why are we attacking our parietal cell? What's causing us to turn on ourselves? Uh, it's a phenomenon that we, we call molecular mimicry is usually what happens. So uh, there's a variety of different reasons uh why this can happen uh for example uh one of the big ones that gets hit on hit on a lot is is gluten right so uh gluten for so many people is is damaging to their gut uh their their gut lining gets open uh the body the a bigger piece of what is of the gluten gets through than should and so your body sees that and it says hey what are you doing here in the bloodstream you're not supposed to be here you're really big uh, so the body then attacks it and destroys it, which is what we want to happen. When that happens a lot of times, eventually the body takes that and it takes it to the, the, the lymph system and it takes it to the immune system and the immune system then says, oh, oh, well, let's make a bunch of antibodies for this. And it starts making antibodies for that and those antibodies don't just hang out in the stomach, they hang out all over the body. Eventually, one of those antibodies looks at your thyroid, for example, and says, oh, thyroid, wow, you really look a lot like that gluten. We better kill you. You're not supposed to be here. And that's autoimmunity in a nutshell. The body has misidentified a part of us. And it's just a matter of a lot of times the big thing with autoimmunity is you want to find, A, what triggered it, and B, you've got to turn the inflammation down. So... Uh, and that's that's really what I'm I'm starting to move for towards in in my practice is working with autoimmunity and figuring out how we can turn that inflammation down so that your body's not attacking itself so much because once you have an autoimmune disease I've got bad news for you you're never not going to have that autoimmune disease but you can put that sucker into remission so that it's not bothering you. Dr. Brandon Breening, always a pleasure when you stop by. We didn't get to all the great factoids that you have. He's got a thing here about 14 pieces of paper, and he got to one line. 
Yeah, number, I, yeah. I can count. Uh, let me blow everybody else's mind one more time. Okay. Uh, fat isn't bad. So for all of you that are stuck back in the 80s, butter's bad, all that, fat is what makes you full. Uh, fat is necessary for life. Uh, without cholesterol, you don't make steroid hormones. So you don't, what well, that means, you don't make estrogen very well as a woman. You don't make uh, testosterone very well as a man. So it's Fat you Tuesday. Need, you need some good fat. But it needs on to be fat good Tuesday. fat. Right, right, right. You don't, Butter is bad not fat. as good as olive oil, though. Well, that's true. I mean, but, but it's better than margarine. Oh, right? Yeah. Not, that was your aunt. Yeah. Dr. Dinah Franklin said, don't ever eat margarine. Yeah. And she said, I'd rather you eat butter than margarine. Absolutely. I took her advice. Look yeah. at me now. I'm the, I'm the poster child <laughs> for, butter. for Fat Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you for stopping by on Fat Thank Tuesday you. and defending fat. That's right. We'll see you next month. Okay. Dr. Brandon Breening. Coming up next, the chief of police who always sits out there and <laughs> has no idea. Last week, it was last month it was mitochondria. This what is it this week? Pi, what is it called? Parietal cells. Parietal cells. Go out and ask Adam Yates how his parietal cells are. We'll be right back. We've got to talk right now to our Quincy chief of police, Adam Yates, who uh, always agrees to come on once a month and talk about all kinds of great things and uh, not so great things, I think. And I asked you off the air. I mean, how does something like what happened in Memphis, where a large cadre of police officers, all wearing body cameras, so they know they're being recorded. They've got cameras light, you know, on poles to talk about traffic, so they know that those could also be called into question. And, yes, they've pleaded not guilty, and, yes, the trial hasn't started, and, yes, everybody's presumed innocent, except I don't know how anybody could watch that and think that something weird wasn't happening. So... I'm sure it's embarrassing for you almost as police chief. I mean, not the police chief in Memphis, but that's a black eye on law enforcement, man. I mean, that is not good, is it, Adam Yates? It, you know, first, Mary, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure to come down. Um, you know, the situation that, that we're talking about in Memphis is is in and of itself um, just disgusting and it, it 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 makes all of us in law enforcement that are out there every day trying to do the right thing trying to build trust and provide transparency to the community you know you look at things like that and, and it's just how, how many steps back are we going to take are we going to continue to take um as we try to heal as a country you know after everything that's gone on over the last seven or eight years and then we have something like this happen and and, and i don't have any explanation for you on it i don't know you know, a lot of people, you know, we always hear about training, you know, that police officers need more training. I, I don't, nothing that I watch had any indication that there's any training needs. Um, it almost come down to a personnel issue. It come down to hiring practices or if it's, if it's individual police officers that are being allowed to behave like this and they're not being held accountable. And I, I guess that's just, I don't think there's any amount of training that fixes, you know, a, a, a police officer's drive to, to treat someone the way that that young man was treated. I, I think it really just comes down to, are you a good person or are you not a good person? And if you're not a good person, then you have no business being in law enforcement. This was black officers beating a black man. So it, take, it takes a whole nother step now. A lot of people said, well, it's a racial thing. You know, the white officers beat George Floyd or the white officers beat Rodney King. This was a group 
of exclusively black officers responding to something. We don't know what their previous contact with this gentleman was. You know, I mean, he's being painted as, you know, the <laughs> the saint of all saints. But by and large, whatever happened before does not justify in any way, shape, or form what happened that night. And it was black officers. So some people say, well, you can still be racist. You can still think less of your own race, even though you're black. I mean, you can say, well, uh, you know, I'm white, but I think that low-income white people are less than me, so I will have a tendency to treat them poorly. Right. So you can't, I mean, it's, a, it's just a very strange phenomenon. And God, when will it end? Because we think every time we have something that blows up in the media that people would say, well, I want to make sure that never happens to me. Well, I, I, and just to touch on that, because I think the overall point that, that I take away from something like this is, is, and you can say some of these, these incidents have to do with race. I, I think it really just comes down to ethics and morals and, and how you're brought up, how you're, you know, I mean, we all just have to respect one another. And if we're hiring police officers or if we're tolerating police officers that are disrespecting the members of the community, then we have to do what we can as a police department through our disciplinary programs and through training and de-escalation and everything that we have available to us. We have to make sure that we are holding officers accountable that that do something wrong, but that also what that does is it lets all the other officers know that if you step out of line, that you're going to there's going to be consequences. And you know, I say you know, it, it, when it comes down to discipline in a police department, it's very important that we hold everyone accountable equally across the board, and we address issues like these when they when they come up. Hey, as a chief, you just wonder were there any past issues with any of these officers that maybe was a red flag that something like this was bound to happen at some point. It it's just it's terribly disappointing because so much is made out of these incidents that it really paints the entire profession with a broad brush that isn't fair. That because is not fair at all, and you're already having trouble recruiting. And here's – I want to get to body cameras in a minute, but here's another caveat about that. There are people – Illinois has uh, proposed this – that would allow me, if a police officer treated me that way, not only to file criminal charges, but, you know, to, to go after them personally. Mm-hmm. Not the city of Quincy pay their bill, mm-hmm. but go after them personally. Now, you know, we have insurance here at the radio station so that if I do something, I'm protected personally against being sued. You know, the company gets sued. If you start having where every police officer could be sued every time they have an interaction with a member of the public, and they have to hire their own lawyer, and they have to pay their own insurance premium, and they have to do all that. Who's going to be a police officer, Adam Yates? Well, that's and that's a great question. And a lot of people, when we start talking about qualified immunity and the fact that that police officers are indemnified by the city in, in which they serve, that that I, there's a lot of miscommunication and misinformation that goes along with that. A, a police officer today can be a, a, can be punitively sued by a plaintiff if they act in a willful and wanton manner. So if I go out and I specifically do something that I know is a crime or that I know is illegal or that I know is excessive force, I can be sued personally. You can come after my house, my my car, my dog, whatever you want to throw in there. It I mean, police officers are not protected by, you know, all all qualified immunity does is gives the court system way to say, look, we asked these folks to go out there and do a very difficult job, and they have to make decisions in split seconds sometimes, and they don't have the ability 
or or maybe not even the they don't know how the court is going to rule on this when they're making the decision that that decision comes a year later so how is the officer supposed to know that well the court was going to say that no you shouldn't have done that but when they're out doing things that are clearly illegal or clearly excessive there's no protections for any police officers. I mean, not only in terms of their job and the potential for them to get fired, but there's no protection from civil suits. Anyway. A city, the city of Quincy can't pay punitive damages that are levied against a police officer. So this practice is already out there. It just doesn't happen very often because very rarely or do you have a situation where you can show that a police officer went out and knowingly broke the law or knowingly, you know, beat the crap out of somebody. And, you know, I, this... Obviously, this issue in Memphis is going to be, you know, a clear, I, I think, situation where you can say, well, look, these guys had to know what they were doing was not accurate. But um, but it, it really comes down to there's already mechanisms in place that, that allow these types of lawsuits. And so, but yeah, you say you want to get rid of qualified immunity. I, I wouldn't recommend to my son or daughter that they be a police officer right now because People can file lawsuits about anything, and if I have to defend myself every time, it's just it's not feasible. It is. It is so true. We have something in the journalistic field called absence of malice, and that helps protect us. Let's talk about body cameras. Quincy's had them since 2018, mm-hmm. uh, a very useful tool for you as the supervisor to see how people are acting. I know my husband works for uh, the Quincy Public School District, and they have a device on his bus. Mm-hmm. They can tell how fast he's going. I mean, they can pull that randomly at any time and say, we want to see the camera on your bus, how you're treating the children. We want to see how fast you're going. I mean, just knowing that you're being monitored, you know, if nothing else keeps you kind of in check, you know, you're not going to be driving school bus 70 miles an hour, right. you know, because they're going to, it's going to be proven that right. you did it. You don't have to be caught doing it. It'll prove it doesn't. Cameras. Uh, poor Adams County Sheriff's Department, they just had a horrible incident where someone was killed. And they did not have body cameras, and now they're getting them. They're good. This year they will get them. Should body cameras just – they're going to be required, right? I mean, yes. this is – and why Why are we still so late, so long? So because it comes down to money. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for most of the departments that don't have them, it's, it's literally uh, the cost. They are, they're tremendously expensive. Um, the, you you know, got to maintain them. The, the, well, and you have to store the video. That's the big – issue is the cost of storage for because you're generating so many videos and, and just like in, in the system that we have is integrated between our body cameras and our in-car video cameras in our squad cars so i don't even know what it is because it's all factored into the cost that we pay the company that we go through but just the the <laughs> the sheer amount of video that we collect even in a day would it, it causes so much expense just to have servers where you're able to store that stuff. Then you have to go back and start looking at, well, who's going to redact the videos when there's a FOIA request? Who's going to download the videos when they have to be put into evidence? You know, there's a lot of things that go go into the cost of body cameras that, you know, I, again, they're, they're going to be mandated in the state of Illinois by 2025. Everybody's going to have to have them. They weren't terribly clear when they wrote the law on exactly, like you know, one of our questions we have, do I, you know, when I'm walking over to to your studio from the, do I have to have a body camera Are on me? Are you wearing one right now? I'm not now? wearing one right now. I mean, we we bought but enough yet, for our patrol be, officers. Yeah, but you could be called right now. Something yes. could happen out our window. You could go out there, get involved in something, and the criticism would be, yeah. well, Adam Yates, you responded as a police officer, not as an administrator. Right. And there's no 
video of how you interacted with that accident victim or yeah. that potential criminal that you saw mug a lady and you chase her through the park mm-hmm. and, and trip him up and catch him. Yeah. Yeah. But, so. you know, and, and the way we looked at it is we initially bought 58, and that covered all of our uh, patrol officers who were out in uniform every day. We had spares that our detectives could take out with them if they were going to be doing any type of, you know, specific activity. Um, the the Illinois legislator, le, legislature has since clarified that they did not intend for administrators, chiefs, deputy chiefs, folks like that, to wear body cameras. But, you know, it's always a good idea to have one on. Uh, it you know because you never know what you're going to come across. Now the chances of me coming across something are probably not as as great as maybe one of our lieutenants who is normally on the desk and and then has to jump up to go out to a, a shooting scene or something like that. But um, it, yeah, it really comes down to even just looking at adding you know the 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 15 cameras that we would have to add to cover everybody on the department. The the, the cost just skyrockets when you do that. So when you're talking about smaller agencies with with more limited budgets. It you know, but to go back, we in 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 May of of 2018, before we got body cameras, we had an officer involved fatal shooting, and you know I like to say that if that did anything for us, it helped. I mean, with our argument that we have to have body cameras, and we got them then that October. It so, got the it got the city council's pocketbook to open. And, up. Well, and we were already on down that path, but yes, it certainly didn't make things any any more difficult for us. Okay. Uh, speaking of cameras, you want to talk a little bit about a proposal that you have to put stationary cameras uh, at the outskirts kind of of Quincy, mm-hmm. and it may be various places, not a lot, but this would help, uh, and again, you'd go back in storage and say, oh, on uh, January 23rd, we think maybe a car was involved in this. We could go back and on that date pull up you know the the camera angles talk a little bit about the license plate readers and all this thing that you're talking about because it's an invasion of my privacy Mm -hmm. well the first thing i always like to tell people is when we talk about what license plate readers are we need to talk about what they are not and license plate readers are not enforcement cameras they don't Check your speed. They don't see if you have an expired registration they don't tag. Alert that I have an outstanding warrant. They, they, they well, not you. Um, your, <laughs> if your car did, um, and that's that's kind of you know that's a whole different section. But um, but they don't send tickets to anybody. So they literally just take pictures of the backs of of vehicles, and they. You know, of course, they have technology that allows them to read the plate number, and it also recognizes what state the plate's from, and then it then cross references that number with uh, you know license plate numbers that are entered in the national computer as being either stolen or wanted for a crime. Now, you got to be, that's when we start to get a little bit, you know, on, on the, well, you know, privacy concerns. But these cameras collect absolutely no personal identifying information. This camera doesn't know who the car is registered to, has no idea who's driving the car because the registered owner doesn't have to be driving the car, doesn't take a picture of the driver or in, in any way capture the face of anyone that's inside the car. All it literally does is pulls off the license plate number and then checks to see if the, the, that license plate number has been entered as wanted or stolen. And if it has been, then it, it sends our officers an alert that says, hey, there's a, a wanted car. You know, maybe it was wanted in a homicide in Hannibal. You know, it's now in Quincy. And our officers can then, you know, start looking for that vehicle. If the car is stolen, obviously we would get a hit. It just passed, a, you know, an LPR at, at 54th and Broadway, and this is what the description of the car is, and now the officers can go look for that particular car. Uh, that, that's all they do. They also only store the data for 30 days. So we have 30 days to go look at the pictures, 
And if we ultimately don't do any research when we're looking for the picture and within 30 days, then it's, it's completely purged from the system. The company that, that we would go through, Flock Safety, can't go back and get the pictures. We can't go back and get the pictures. You wait 31 days to report your crime. There's no LPR in the city of Quincy is going to be able to help us solve your crime. But what they do do is they allow us the ability to go back and, and just research, you know, and, and try to find investigative leads on different things that might be happening. I, I use the shooting uh, that we had on Broadway, uh, you know, several months ago as, as an example. Um, you know, we have a, a kind of a vague description of the vehicle. We have a couple of grainy videos from businesses along that route. If we had an LPR, we would probably know it, at, at, at the very least what the vehicle registration plate number was and who it was registered to. But we're figuring out who it's registered to. The, the, the system's not telling us that. All we're doing is looking at the picture, seeing that this could potentially be our suspect vehicle. We run the plate, get that information, and then we follow up on that. So they're, they're a tremendous investigative tool for our officers to use, I mean, on major crimes, hit and runs, shopliftings, um, amber alerts, silver alerts, uh, missing people. It, it really helps us just kind of track folks down and not, you know, I mean, we can always say uh, we're looking for this particular red vehicle and this is the plate number. You know, I always laugh. You, you never really realize how many reds say, you know, Ford Tauruses there are until you're looking for red Ford Tauruses, and then they're everywhere. So <laughs> this gives us the ability to use technology to enhance our investigations, and, and that's what we're, we're hoping to be able to do. So that's not in place now. You're, you're requesting that. We are almost out of time, and I want to give you a chance to talk about whatever else you would like to talk about. Uh, we've talked about the Citizens Police Academy and the Fire Police Academy. What would you like to leave the listeners of WTAD with, uh, you know, not just Quincy listeners, but everybody around here that visits our town? What are some of the things that are on the radar screen of the Quincy police right now? Well, I, I think, you know, basically I just want to say that, you know, our officers are still out there uh, working very hard. Again, we're you know, we're still nine officers down, uh, you know, in terms of vacancies. But, uh, you know, our officers are, are, are working extra shifts and, and they're really going out and doing, you know, the things that they need to do. You know, I, I say you hear about. Uh, certain restaurants closing, you know, uh, during a, a day or two during the week or the Amtrak train not running. You know, we have yet to cut any service that we provide at the Quincy Police Department. And, and a lot of the credit goes to the officers that they want to be out there. They don't want to cut their shift minimums. They don't want to cut any services because they know that the citizens rely on them to be out there and be ready to respond if something happens. So, um, you know, my, my hats are off to, to them and their families because, you know, they're spending a lot of time at work. Um, we continue to to try to you know recruit and and hire. We're working off a hiring list that we got right now. We've got some lateral transfer uh, officers that we're working with. So hopefully we can we can start to head in the right direction. I, I think we are going to do that. Uh, but I just really want uh, to want to say thank you to the the officers and their families for the amount of time they're putting in to continue to protect the city of Quincy and and all the support that the city of Quincy always shows us. But you still don't have a contract. Not you, but your working rank-and-file police officers still don't have a contract with the no, city, do they? No, they don't. Mm -mm. Not a morale builder. It, it, it makes it difficult because... And what's happening with the insurance? Are some people being denied claims? Uh, I, I think it, there's a lot of confusion that's going on. Okay. I don't know that claims are being denied, but when they call, they're being told they don't have insurance. Um, it, it's, you know, I'm not immersed in that all that much, but, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion that's going on between the provider um, and, and then the insurance company and then any middle entities that are in the middle there. So hopefully they're getting all that worked out, but it's, it's been a frustration for sure. And the Police and Fire Commission continues now to seem to have been politicized. I'm not going to get you involved in that, uh, but 
the citizens are hearing things in the media. You know, they're hearing about arguments among our politically elected officials. It just just goes to show you're trying to do your job. Your rank and file officers are trying to do their job. Meanwhile, other people are, you know, inserting themselves maybe. So we'll just see what happens. I wish you not only the best of luck, but safety. And by the way, if you wear your camera next time, I'm under exclusive rights to the Ford Modeling Agency. You can't take my picture <laughs> Understood. without my permission. Thank <laughs> Mary, you. thank you so much.